chapter fifteen of blackthorn farm by arthur applin this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fifteen escape the great convict prison of princeton stands on the wildest part of dartmoor nearly fifteen hundred feet above the sea surrounded by wild rock-strewn tors whose heather-covered slopes stretch for miles in every direction four main roads cross the moor from plymouth to morton hampstead and tavistock to ashburton these unite at two bridges where they cross the river dart in the triangle formed by the plymouth and tavistock roads which divide at two bridges lie the prison farms this land has been reclaimed from the moors with years of heavy toil by the convicts only those who by good behavior have earned a conduct badge are taken for work on the farms where they have more freedom and even the chance of stolen conversation although the rule of silence is not relaxed it is impossible for the warders who stand on guard at every vantage point around the field in which the men are working to hear and the art of speaking without moving the lips is practiced by every convict nearly six months had passed since rupert had stepped from the train between two warders on to the tiny platform at princeton and for six months the prison walls had hidden from his longing eyes the moor that was his home but eventually the day came when he was taken outside the prison walls to work in the fields as he was marched with his gang through the great gates soon after the sunrise of an early summer morning he remembered with a curious tightening of his heartstrings another morning he had forgotten how long ago when he had entered those very gates with his friend robert despard they had come to look over the prison to stare at the prisoners he choked back a laugh and the convict marching on his left half turned his head and gave him a look of warning they had reached the crossroads and the next moment halted outside the gate that led to the fields for the convicts were never marched further along the road than was necessary rupert looked back at the risk of reprimand it was at this very spot that his sister marjorie had left them going on to princeton to do the week's shopping and to buy herself a present with the money rupert had given her he stared dry-eyed along the broad highway tears never dimmed his eyes now as they had done at first reaction had come long ago he had gone through the fire and had come out hardened for a little while his sufferings had been unbearable he had prayed for death even his love for ruby strode had not been sufficient to give him a hold on life in the great convict prison day and night had been merged into one there had been no break to the dreadful monotony and the everlasting silence time had not been composed of days and nights but of hours hours of minutes minutes of seconds and each second had been an eternity part of his torture had been in thinking of the sufferings of those he loved of the woman who had tried to save him and whose great love had brought him to this pass of his father and sister who perhaps would never hold up their heads again ostracized by the so-called decent people he did not even know how they managed to live whether they had enough money to keep body and soul together and it was that thought that sometimes nearly drove him mad the old man who had sacrificed everything for his sake to make a gentleman of him his beautiful little sister who had been standing on the threshold of life with the dawn of love in her heart he had robbed her too of life and of love 
over and over again he had pictured marjorie and his father sitting in the old kitchen of the little farmhouse alone afraid even to look at one another afraid to talk shunned by all their neighbours poverty facing them perhaps starvation the farm going to rot and ruin before their eyes and yet had they but known a fortune waited for them in that old disused tin mine no one knew anything about it but his friend robert despard his eyes had been opened too late and he knew what sort of a friend despard was he did not even dare hope that the man who had taken their hospitality would play the game and tell john dale of the vast possibilities that were hidden in the mine on his property he would keep the knowledge to himself and take advantage of it and of marjorie rupert's sister whom he had professed to fall in love with the convicts were crossing a patch of moorland towards the fields in which they were to work the soft turf was beneath rupert's feet the blue sky above his head the scent of gorse already blossoming in his nostrils the sweet sounds and sights and scents stirred his blood he gazed down into the valley across the dart there lay two bridges almost a stone's throw away beyond post bridge he almost fancied he could see blackthorn farm were they still there his loved ones eking out a lonely miserable existence or had shame driven them away and had the home they owned been taken with a fortune lying hidden beneath the land sometimes he had wondered whether the story despard told him about the traces of radium in the pitch blend had been an hallucination on his part but long ago a month or two after his arrival at princeton he had made up his mind and sworn a solemn oath that he would wait for a chance of escape he knew that no convict had ever succeeded in getting right away but now and then some unfortunate had hidden on the moors for many days before he was captured knowing the country as he did it would be easy for rupert if he could make a dash for freedom to get to blackthorn farm see his father and tell him what lay hidden in the old mind just outside his very door the place was mortgaged to sir reginald and in that fact lay the one chance that despard had been unable to either purchase or lease it he would have to wait until sir reginald foreclosed and then buy it from him every week that passed every day meant that the chance of the fortune was slipping away from his father rupert knew by the time of the year that more than nine months had passed since he had been tried and sentenced unless he escaped within the year it would be too late it might be too late now but it was worth the risk to get out from the prison cell or from the great walls that surrounded the prison itself was practically impossible his only hope had lain in being sent to work in the quarries or fields and now the chance had come it seemed as if providence had sent it suddenly the word halt rang out automatically rupert stopped the convicts were lined up and their numbers called over rupert raised his eyes the man on his left was speaking to him again using his usual signals a man who had often been his companion in exercise within the prison walls and whose one idea curiously enough had also been escape rupert did not look at him his fists were clenched every muscle in his body was tight and taut it required all his self-restraint not to make a dash then and there 
he looked up the blue sky flecked with fleecy clouds was above him the sweet smell of new-mown hay was everywhere in the air the soft bleating of sheep and the barking of a dog came faintly down the breeze from bear down hill and along the white dusty road he could see the carrier's cart crawling to post bridge number three eighty one get on with your work the raucous voice of the warder brought him back to the fact that work was about to commence as he lifted the hay on his fork he gazed around the black forms of the warders stood like silhouettes against the sky their rifles glinting in the sun a wall as formidable as impassable as those of the prison behind him by a lucky chance the convict who was raking by him now was his pal number three o three he had been plying him with questions of roads paths and distances to the nearest railway stations and only yesterday had offered to make an attempt with him to escape he was a small man with flaxen hair which now stood up in a short stiff stubble like a closely mown cornfield and the blue dreamy eyes whose kindly glance belied the broad arrows which covered every portion of his costume made one wonder how this kindly little gentleman had earned the ten years four of which had failed to stamp the convict brand on his face in all their many opportunities for secret conversation he had never confided in rupert his crime or his name he was a mystery but his willingness and his ready obedience his haunting smile and kindly blue eyes had made him a favorite with the warders who treated him with a lack of harshness that almost amounted to kindness and as he worked as though his life depended upon it and always with the same sad smile he was allowed more freedom of movement within the limits of the warder's chain than any other convict once or twice during the day whenever they were close together number three o three questioned rupert as to the part of the moorlands they were on how far from princeton or morton hampstead keep your eyes open the chance may come to-day but rupert shook his head what chance had they surrounded by armed men in the broad light of day true there was always the chance of a fog and though in the spring they were fairly common as the summer advanced their appearance was rare to-day the heat was oppressive and though the sun shone in a cloudless sky a thin almost imperceptible haze hung over the tors and the peaks shone with a curious light rupert noticed this for it sometimes was the precursor of a summer fog and when these fogs did come they appeared suddenly without warning and as suddenly disappeared in the afternoon a slight breeze which now and then had blown from the hills died down there was not a breath of air it was with a sigh of relief that even the warders saw the sun sink beneath the bank of gray cloud that had covered the western sky the perspiration poured down on the convicts faces as they worked and the warders began to throw anxious glances behind them where great tor had already disappeared in an ominous cloud-bank which rolled down its slopes like cotton wool the field in which they were working was the furthest one from the prison and just above two bridges which lay at the bottom of a steep slope of rough grass the field was separated from the road by another one and a high wall without any gates ran down the whole length of the road 
the head warder pulled out his watch it was a quarter to five he glanced at the low white clouds which the least puff of wind might at any moment bring down and blot out the landscape he sounded his whistle and the convicts at once began to form up and the guard to close in there was a few moments delay while the rakes and forks were collected and the wagon brought up from the end of the field stand next to me number three o three whispered to rupert our chance has come you won't fail me rupert whose knowledge of the moor told him that escape was impossible for one as ignorant of his surroundings as poor three o three stooped down to tie his shoelace for god's sake don't be a fool summer fogs are no good i can't number three eighty one stand up all present chief the chief warder immediately gave the order to march and the whole party moved up the centre of the field towards the prison the warders marching beside their charges and the armed guard about thirty paces away extended so as to completely surround them further conversation was rendered impossible a faint breeze began to stir the still air bringing a damp mist which beat in their faces rupert with his eyes fixed on the ground began to pray that the approaching fog might not blow away a chance had come for him his heart went out in tender sympathy to the poor soul who could not face the long dreary years of his punishment yet to come while his mind was torn in two by an agony of doubt he who knew the moors so well did not believe for a moment that alone and unhampered he could escape even if they could hide on the moors for a day or two capture in the end was inevitable all he wanted was to get to blackthorn farm but three o three wanted to get clear away within a few minutes telephones and telegraphs would inform every town and village in the two counties every railway station would be watched every egress barred every constable in devon and cornwall would block all roads suddenly the voice of the chief warder ordering the convicts to close up broke in upon his thoughts and looking up he saw that the prison had disappeared nothing but a white sea of fog lay all around and even the walls of the field a few yards away were almost invisible they were only two fields now from the prison and the gang checked for a moment as the last gate but one was reached rupert was almost the centre of the gang and he noticed that his own warder who was just in front was only just visible in spite of his dark uniform as he reached the gate three o three gripped him by the arm dropped on his knees behind the wall and disappeared at this moment the chief warder gave the order to halt and his heart flew into his mouth for he thought three o three's action had been seen but the sound of someone shouting at the horses and the chief warder's voice raised in angry question reassured him without thinking of what he was doing he dropped on his face and crawled rapidly down the side of the wall at the same moment the order to march was given and the noisy beating of his heart was drowned by the creaking of the wagon as it lumbered past he lay perfectly still flattened against the wall he wondered why he heard no shot or other indication that they had been seen the rear guards passed within six feet of him and when their black forms were swallowed up by the white fog he realized that their absence from the gang would not be discovered until they reached the prison leaping to his feet he ran along the wall and almost immediately fell over three o three who was crouching against it quick for god's sake follow me he whispered we must make for beartown this fog may blow away at any moment 
They ran like hares, scrambling over the walls, falling into holes, stumbling on rocks, Rupert intent only on reaching Wisman's wood before the fog lifted. He had nothing to guide him but the knowledge of the direction in which he originally started from the wall and the moorman's instinct to prevent him from travelling in a circle, which is the inevitable fate of everyone lost in a fog they dropped on to a road tavistock road come on we are right now rupert cried excitedly they scrambled over the wall and raced down the steep hillside suddenly they saw the gleam of water below them bushes and stones appeared they had left the fog behind the valley was clear as they plunged across the river and breasted the steep hill they saw the blessed fog shutting out bare down farm and all the tors above it quick we must get up with the fog before we are seen thank god there is no one in sight but poor three o three was no more man and he was already dropping behind i can't do it three eighty one go on without me rupert turned back and taking him by the arm pulled him down into a little hollow behind a huge furze bush and laid him on his back you're only winded we have run over a mile you'll get your second wind in a minute he whispered but we must not wait here a moment longer than absolutely necessary if the fog should lift now we are certain to be taken i am going to make for hartland tor which is close to my father's house there is an old disused mine below the tor in which we can hide for the present boom a dull explosion echoed across the hills what's that exclaimed three o three the alarm rupert replied we have not a moment to lose end of chapter fifteen